Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 47, where I'm joined with the usual suspects, Javon Bigart and Gregory Yershadis. Boys, how are you doing today? What's up, D-Dot? What's going on, fellas? Alrighty, so um, we're obviously in the midst of the NBA playoffs and we missed last week and we could rehash a bunch of history that already went down, but let's talk about relevant news happening today. Um, so obviously, you know what went down the last couple nights in the world of the NBA, man. The sun comes, sun sets, man. You know, hot water turns cold and the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers will always be in the NBA Finals. Guys, we're reliving history yet again. Shocking to see Cleveland in the finals again. Shocking. Yeah, the thing I can say is that both of these teams, even though they've been there for the fourth consecutive time, they've gotten there completely differently than in previous years. Yeah. Um, can I just say the king? My God. Just king of the East again. And you know what? Like... When you've lost as many important playoff games as the Raptors have to LeBron James, you can't help but somewhat admire him. Oh, man, you have no idea. And believe me, like, don't get it twisted. I was rooting for the Cavs in that Boston series, okay? And to to witness that greatness, to witness LeBron just silence the Garden, including Paul Pierce, I mean— one of my that's one of my favorite now basketball moments was to hear him yell out after they had won and just to see the look on those angry Boston fans' faces. So I'm actually happy for LeBron because I finally got to see him go Jordan. Right? Go yeah. Jordan LeBron, killer LeBron, lead a team LeBron. No more sidekicks, no nothing. It was it was a little heartbreaking though, the the see, you know, Boston get eliminated in seven. You know, team obviously the big narrative was Kyrie Irving. Gordon Hayward out of the playoffs, and somehow they able to bring Cleveland to the brink of defeat. Uh, Whatever, man. You upset about that? I think it's the perfect story for the NBA. The man, perfect. Yeah, and they avoided like they've avoided Cleveland until like to me the Celtics wouldn't have even got to the Eastern Conference Finals had they played us or the Cavs leading up to it. Yeah. Right, and same thing last year. So they should just be happy. They were there. Yeah, they got close. They got a young team. I mean, without Irving. Or Hayward, they were never gonna get to the finals. Maybe if they had one of them, actually, they could have, because they looked like they needed some late game shot making. Oh that's yeah. For sure. Well, we'll get to the, uh, I guess, the Eastern Conference and Western Conference, uh, I guess, semifinals, right into the NBA Finals in a second. But this is a Toronto Raptors podcast, so obviously we're gonna start it off with a little bit of Toronto Raptors conversation. My Raptors, my Raptors. So not much to talk uh, about. Toronto honest. Raptors obviously limited from the playoffs. I guess the biggest thing we can kind of discuss is the speculation surrounding the uh, potential head coach of the Raptors coming into next season. Multiple names thrown out. Uh, I'm gonna start off with this because the big thing for Greg is your your love and appreciation for you know Jason Kidd, Javon. I know you're a big Jerry Stackhouse guy as well, a guy who really nurtured a lot of young talent in the G League. Between those two guys, who do you think is the better fit to sort of lead the team next season? Well, uh, I I have a lot of respect too for for Stack. Don't get it twisted. 
Like, I, I would be fine with either of those two actually doing it. And Never I think got it twisted. Never said to you, you were in a Stackhouse fan. Okay. I just threw it to Javon. All right. All right. So, sorry. Greg, coming in, already pissed off at the producer. Hey, I just, My ha- goodness. I just had to, you know, lay you down want, the facts, all do, right? Do you want to go for a walk down the hallway to cool down for a second? I'm afraid <laughs> of Jerry Stackhouse. Okay. I don't want to disrespect him. He was a oh, hard no. man. And that's exactly why we need him. You got, He brings fucking, that sense fucking of Fucking A, man. Sit. He'll put the fear in everybody and uh, let them know, hey, you know what? This is my team, and if you're not producing, you're going to ride the bench. We only get productive players on the floor. I think that's what Jerry Stackhouse is going to bring. I think he's also the kind of guy that's not going to be afraid to bench certain players if they're not performing on the court as well, right? That's the key thing, right? You've seen what happened in the playoffs when DeRozan was playing like ass and Dwayne Casey benched him. Mm -hmm. The Raptors almost won that game. Right, we came back from 15 down. It was game three in the. Uh, so you semis. think? So you think we should have been harder on the backcourt, or specifically DeRozan, sooner, For particularly sure, exactly. with his defense, his defense, his offensive decision making, like all of those things were just lacking. And you know, it was definitely because LeBron James put a level of fear in DeRozan that yeah. you know limited his production. You know, he needs to get that level of fear where it's going to enhance his production. Hopefully, you know, a guy like Jerry Stackhouse, if he does become the coach, would be able to do that. But, you know, DeRozan in the playoffs, he shit the bed. Dwayne Casey didn't bench him, and we got swept. Every time DeRozan touched the ball in the playoffs, if he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do, I would have told him. And if he made the same mistake again, I would have said, okay, go on the bench. Let me get somebody in there who's, you know, not afraid, who doesn't have, like, you know, some, like, itch on his back that's holding him back. Yeah. I feel like for DeRozan, it was like, oh, man, the third straight time this is happening, and you let that affect him. You know, you need guys, you know, I think they have this saying for pitchers in baseball, you know, memory of a fish. You know, you give up a home run, you blow a save one game, you go back out to the next game not remembering what happened before. You laugh that shit off. You laugh that shit off. But DeRozan, it just seemed like it was just affecting him mentally. And, like, I know he's going through, you know, life issues and whatnot, but still, like, it just seemed like... It's a psychological hurdle of having to play the same team for three years in a row and kind of, you know... I think I think DeRozan was defeated in Game Six. Like I, I just I think it was an, an inevitable conclusion. Not Game Six this year, so the year before. Yeah. Hey man, I look DeRozan to me has I, like I really don't like though to put all the fault on him because he's like this is a guy that that has been loyal to the city. He's gotten better every year. He's he's improved in every facet of his game. I think there was too much, like his improvement made it so there was too much pressure on him. That's why they brought in Ibaka. Ibaka laid a huge egg. Huge egg. And our coaching staff, I felt like, was force-feeding Ibaka too many shots. Yeah, it's just like, you know, you invested all this money in these guys and and now you're forced to, you know, ride them out. Why? Like, I I get it. I get it. Like, you know, you don't want to... You know, you don't want to shit on your decision, but, like, there just comes a point where, like, the writing's on the wall. Like, these guys aren't performing. You know, get somebody else in there who can perform. Like, we did it with Norman Powell. I guess it would be too bad to do it with three big contract guys. Well, I'm I'm really, you know, so going back to the, to the coaches thing, though, I'm really interested to see, you know, because Dwayne Casey, he's he's taking the heat for this now, and it's just because he's the easiest person to take it, and I think that it was actually a top-down business decision too. Well, there, had I think. To, there had to be a scapegoat in the situation. Like, yeah. obviously you can't but pin the the blame on DeRozan, Lowry, etc. The players but, itself. But like now Casey, you brought back the same team though. Mm-hmm. When I look at it, it's like with like a junior Casey in Stackhouse. Sorry, Joel. Yeah, like so you know everybody's praising Masai Ujiri. Even I was praising him. You know. But at the, I don't end, of the, know, though, at the like, end of the day, he was the guy who signed DeRozan to the huge contract, Ibaka. Lowry to the huge contract, Ibaka to the huge contract, but, and yeah. Norman Powell to the huge contract. DeRozan and Lowry, I actually think, although they've had, like, I feel like if this was a one-off, it wouldn't have been such a big deal. Because, in fact, like, you watch how any team flames out in the playoffs, and yeah. they do flame out. There's never, it's never a pretty story when you're losing in the playoffs, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. look what's happening to Harden, right? Like, this is not as rare like, Chris Paul had this reputation until recently, right? I think you raise a good point, though, in bringing up Masai, because it, but it, it's not specifically about DeRozan and Lowry's contracts. Now they hit us because they're not as tradable. But really, it was, yeah, like, you signed Norman Powell to, to that. You know what I mean? Like, Lou Williams isn't going to make as much as that. Wow. You know what I mean? Uh, well, the, the Norman Powell signing is and a little Ibaka. more excusable situation. Like, let's say, hypothetically speaking, we're... 
uh, Fred Van Vliet is replacing Norman Powell last season. Like, would you pay Fred Van Vliet $10, $11 million a season? Because personally, I would. Having a guy who's immediate offense off the bench who could sort of, but, you know, facilitate the offensive load if DeRozan and Lowry are going off. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying it's a great contract for Norman Powell, but, like, at the time when he signed that contract, yeah. you know, the, the upside and, and but the— But out of $30 million now in the playoffs, right? So that $30 million got you nothing. Exactly. And the Serge Ibaka like, one's the most questionable one about it. Like, who in the league was even— going to offer Serge $15 million per season even at the time when you re-up with the Raptors, right? But, you know, I was I don't know, there a, might I was, be like some kind of connection there between Messiah and... Well, do you think it's like a Canadian and, uh, thing? You know, like the lack of, you know, an uh, ability to, you know, bring... Thing. That, that could be... That's a great thing yeah. as well, man. I, I think also, again, like, like we, we... Like, Ibaka was brought in... To my mind, he was worth it at the time because you're looking at a good defender, okay? Someone who could space the floor and someone who could bring you toughness. The problem was Ibaka tried to like expand his game out and do things offensively. I thought that he just didn't have in his playbook yet, or you know what I mean. Like tried to be a player that he wasn't, and tried to make his value based on that. He carries Insta- himself on the court like a superstar. Like, that's yeah, feel, yeah, but he needs to be gritty. He needs to be active. Yeah. He needs, those are the things that if he was just doing because he was letting his offense dictate his defense. If he was just doing those active defense things, which a lot of it comes down with his athleticism, mm-hmm. to just a, a, attention to detail and effort. Now, Greg, he, sorry to cut you off. Finish your thought. Please, no, no, that was it. Like. But so, no, I just wanted to uh, think about, you know, if you, like going back to the 2016-17 season at the trade deadline when the Raptors originally yeah. brought in Ibaka. For Ross. Exactly. And they also brought in P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker. Right? And then they had, an, they had a decision to make. Do we keep P.J. Tucker or PJ. do we keep Ibaka? Well, look at what P.J. Right? Tucker's doing in Houston. 16 rebounds? Under love, size four? I know. I, and I know Are we're going to talk me? about this, but I... Love watching P- like I. I the thing saw- with PJ Tucker is like it's it's not like there's no way he's as as athletic as Ibaka. He's not as tall as Ibaka. He's not gonna jump as high as Ibaka. But he knows his role. But he knows his role, and his IQ is so much higher than Ibaka's. Oh yeah, man. Like just the hustle plays, like the the plays that aren't gonna show up in the stat sheet. Yeah. Like, you know, being able to change shots where you don't get the block, where you yeah. don't get the statistic. And I think that's something like I misevaluated with Ibaka too. Is that. The, he the, leadership, to be, the leadership. Yeah, that, but he also appears to be a low IQ player. Yeah. The, the upside is so teasing with Ibaka, though. Right? No, no, I understand so that. Teasing. And that's why like, it's like, oh, you know, like the, and, and you see it. Like, there were, look, there were spurts during the year where, like, he looked like, like a big time talent. Like, but his decision, like, some of his decision making, like, his ability to swing the ball, yeah. right? Like, like everything takes him too long. It, 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 that kind of stuff I didn't know about his game, right? Yeah. That really makes it, it, it made it hard for him to be effective in an offense that's supposed to be predicated on, like, quick decision making. Yep, yep, yep. But you counter that to, like, an Al Horford and how cerebral he is as a big man. You yep. can actually pass, right? Like, JV emerges our best passing Big man, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Actually, Nogueira. But. <laughs> I was going to say, whoever told uh, Dwayne Casey that Nogueira was our best passing big? <laughs> yeah, he threw Nick Nurse under the bus there, man. Oh, Let's get fuck. back to uh, the coaching speculation. So a report was released, I believe, yesterday that a team was actually speaking with San Antonio Spurs and coaches at Torrey Messina, who uh, obviously was replacing Greg Popovich in the playoffs, as well as former NBA player Ume Udoka. Uh, two you know, seasoned vets. You know, I think Udoka came in 2012 and been under the, uh, the, in the Spurs sort of coaching administration for the last six years. Messina also uh, has a pretty, you know, uh, credible history coaching Europe as well. These two guys that you could see come in the fold and be the head coach. Of the Sorry, Rangers. Messina and... Eme Udoka. Long-term assistance under, Satone, the, under the, Spurs. the Spurs. Both for the Spurs. Yeah. Um, you know, so are those the only outside candidates that we know of besides Budin Schmuckle? Well, Budenholder's got off the market now. Yeah, but I mean, are, were those the only ones that we were looking at? Because it's interesting. I don't like, understand your hate for Mike Budenholzer, First of all, he's a small market basketball coach. He's I don't not like have some hate like for him. he's not like some no, like celebrity head coach like Jason Kidd. Just kidding. No, like I, 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 maybe, I just, maybe he's not the best fit. But I think when you're like kind of like. Would you butt him schmuckle? Would you call him again? <laughs> <laughs> Look, no. Uh, to be I, honest, if he was our coach, it wouldn't be the the worst thing. But I just I don't see like okay, we you're replacing Dwayne Casey because he can't beat LeBron for a guy that couldn't beat LeBron. 
Brandon, did you mention that there was an article out on uh, Rick Carlisle possibly being available for a, a trade? I don't think it's an article. It's all speculation, conjecture. But I think, you know, Dallas obviously is in a pretty big rebuild mode. It is in rebuild mode right mm. now. Six pick this year, Dennis Smith Jr. last year. It's kind of that one guy they're realistically building around because I don't think Harrison Barnes is any is, is a piece in general, yeah. especially at $23, 24000000 million a season. Yeah. So obviously Rick Carlisle wants to get the fuck out of Dallas, wants to get out of Texas. And, you know, Carlisle obviously has a pretty uh, – Credible reputation as a head coach, you know, especially chiefly. against LeBron. Doc yeah. Rivers trade, you know, one and zero. Detroit Pistons era as well. You know, I think Rick Carlisle is a guy. Like, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Rick as head coach, Greg? Yeah. Uh, again, I'm. I think we have a good candidate in house. Obviously, yeah. Rick Carlisle is a great coach. If you wanted to come, Nick I'm Nurse. Sure. Nick Nurse. No man. No. 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 I mean, look. I mean, you know what? I mean. Here's the thing about Nurse. I just can't see DeRozan and La- I don't know if DeRozan and Lowry would actually respect him. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, and with these guys right now, like you're getting rid of Casey, you better like it's got to be splashier. Like you've been hearing that's why Budin Budin Chuckles just isn't flashy. Budenheiser just isn't flashy. If you're gonna you're gonna fire Dwayne Casey, what do you want? Like these like these are like want, extravagant suits and these. I want someone suits. who can do you want, come do, in <laughs> and the players are going to look up to. We need like a Tyrone Lee type of coach wearing like his like gra- deceased grandfather's like goodwill like suits at <laughs> fucking NBA games. Now there's uh, an underrated coach. Um, it takes a special man to coach <laughs> LeBron James, Brandon. Uh, it takes I, like a pylon, you know, like a special pylon. No, no, An no, eagle. I wouldn't go that far. An like egoless, an egoless pylon. <laughs> yeah, like a mannequin from the bay. You know what I mean? Draped in uh, like a dead man, dead uncle's uh, to make uh, suit from nineteen eighty two. Um, yeah, I think you gotta call timeouts. You know, you're right though because if you do promote Nick Nurse to the head coach position, that's a voice that's been in the ear of the players for years. And how do you just kind of flip the switch of a guy who was secondary to Dwayne Casey as like the the, the leader of the locker room, leader of men type of situation? Right? Yeah, that that's what I mean. I I think if you're going to you you fired a guy that's been there for so long, you, you've decided to make this, and then you're just gonna go and hire one of his assistants. I mean, look, and 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 he has a good uh, basketball rep. Uh, Rex Kalamian is another one that. Uh, that they interviewed, he has a great reputation uh, amongst players. But I think you need to find if you were looking for a coach to put you over the edge, you have to find someone that's special. Hmm. And I think Jerry Stackhouse is special. He gets basketball, like he just gets basketball. Like all right, he played the game professionally. He's uh, he's got his reps in with coaching. He's proven that he could be successful. He's he was also a, on that team with Rick Carlisle when they beat LeBron, right? Yeah, like he's the right. Like there's there, there's a wealth of experience that he'd have, and uh, and I put Jason Kidd in that same category. Well, I think you need that- to have a special. Coach. Those two guys, I think what they bring in the table is they can relate to the psychological impact that playing in the NBA entails on individuals, especially exactly. DeMar DeRozan. You know, I think, you know, Jerry Sackow just being able to relate to him on a daily basis, especially through the context of a game, is something we and haven't call really him had out. before. Exactly, right? And call- or, like, I wouldn't say nurture his emotions, but like I said before, like, relate to him, understand yeah. the situation. I've been help through him before. Break this through. is how I build through the situation. So this guys, is how I've dealt with it. Think about this, though. So Jerry Stackhouse in Detroit, he was the number one guy. He was the go-to guy, right? Mm-hmm. And then he made the transition to Dallas, and he became the secondary, yeah. tertiary scorer. So when I look at a guy like DeRozan, you know, I'm coming to the conclusion that that transition might have to take place in the yeah. coming years, if not yeah. next year. You might have to go from the primary scorer to possibly the supportive. secondary mm-hmm. or tertiary scorer. Mm-hmm. How we get that main guy, it could be in-house. It could be a guy like OG Ananobi, you know, taking those uh, Kawhi Leonard-like leaps. Or, or it could a be trade. A, or a trade, well, exactly. We've, we've talked so, about this. and Jerry Stackhouse, uh, he's uh, uh, he's made that transition before. Yeah. So he has experience in yeah. that. And he might be able to, you know, provide DeRozan with some, some knowledge and say, hey, you know what? This might not be, you know, the best thing, but it might be the necessary thing. And you might be able to bridge that gap. If yeah, that might you want to win. Here's how you. Here's how you're gonna win. Well, we talked about exactly. this last week, right? Um, or the last couple of weeks. You know, Jerry Stackhouse just you know being able to develop young talent. Clearly, he did that in the G League, and same thing in the NBA, right? And I don't exactly. think you know Demar Derozan. What 28, 29? I still think he's improving. I still think he's evolving. And again, you know, the M- NBA skill set isn't specifically based on what they can do in the court. It's the mental edge and how they evaluate the, what's happening on the court. And honestly, like for a lot of these guys, like you don't get more athletic, you get less athletic. And then once that happens, it's it's your IQ, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like the reason why LeBron James seems to be getting better and better every year is not because he's getting stronger, he's getting faster. It's no, it's because he's getting more 
uh, crafty. He's getting his skills are becoming more refined. His decision making yeah. is becoming even greater. And, like, and then we're witnessing that. Certain players will age better, I find, um, based on that. Like I think one of the reasons why Lowry has been able to sustain his production is that he is incredibly crafty. Yeah, and exactly. he has evolved with a jump shot, right? Um, uh, you see, LeBron though. LeBron. Uh, here's the thing: strength based players, I feel like, have it takes them longer to be impactful. But they that's a like big man, right? It takes them longer to be impactful. Whereas quickness based players like guards, yeah. they can make an immediate impact. Like Brandon Jennings comes into the NBA and scores 50 points, like fifty game. points, right? <laughs> but 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 they lose that quickness, especially if they got an injury faster. Um I that think edge. Yeah. Like but LeBron has been able to maintain the old man strength and power. I, I think with DeRozan, I think you're I think because of the what he's put into his game, we're gonna get another like three, four years of high level production. We just have to be honest and that they, they always needed a third star, guys. We yeah. always needed like talk about bringing a guy and him having to make that one A, one B kind of step. Fucking yeah. yeah. But well then let's let's talk about I mean I, and again, Brandon, I don't wanna jump the gun here, but I mean well, the one Let's thing I kind of want to bring up, man. Well, one thing I really want to bring up right now is we kind of been talking about the upside of the young guys on the bench. You know, game names like Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet, Delon Wright, obviously OG and Anobi. We haven't really talked about Jakob Pertl. You know, is what we're seeing out of Jakob Pertl like his high potential, like highest ceiling, or do you see the guy well, evolving a bit more next season? He didn't play in the playoffs much eh, mm -hmm. toward the end. And I don't understand that. I felt like the coaching staff just completely shunned him. He did so much great things during For the regular Ibaka, season. For yeah. Ibaka. Right, like, well, JV was playing great, obviously. Decision making, right? And and uh, they brought in, they they brought in, they opted to go for Ibaka, even though he wasn't really giving them that much. And the best passer out of the, all the bigs. Uh, yep, the yep, Nagara. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the best, the, the the best passer from the high post, the Brazilian Oscar Robertson. So you know when it <laughs> when it comes to uh, uh, Jakob Pertl, right? Great screen and roll guy. Uh, great defender. He can guard. I think he can guard anywhere from five, four, and he's quick enough to guard threes and twos. I think. I believe. Oh, yeah. As well. No, he switched on. He can do it. And it's not like to say like he's gonna you know get all up in their grill, but he's gonna contain them. He's an know? elite shot blocker. Exactly. Elite shot blocker. You know what he has to improve on is just his shooting. Once he's able to hit a mid range jump shot, um, a free throw. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit for him. Like, he, yeah, he might his be. IQ is so high already, and, like, his nimbleness and him being the size he is, like, it's an asset you can't... He is quite nimble. Exactly. So, you I know... I like that word, yeah. Well, always on his good, uh, he might be a good trade asset. You know, like, on a very cheap rookie contract, you know, most yep. teams, especially you're seeing the playoffs... And that's the unfortunate you know, thing, I like him. Lacking a really good rim protector. You yeah. know, yeah. having yeah. someone yeah. on a cheap contract... Um, with tremendous you know, upside, especially because, like, right now he's good. Like, he's tremendous. doing all the thing. But well, I don't, it's I just his shooting. I me personally, I think he has tremendous. I don't think upside. he has a lot of upside. I think he's a definition of like a really high floor, low ceiling type of prospect. Yeah. Siakam's okay. got more upside in that regard, mm -hmm. if that's the way you look at it. But if, if I could just say, I, you know, again, everyone, the Raptors overachieved in the regular season and came back to bite them here. Because look, this was always going to be a two, three year plan. He signed these guys to several, you know, a long span here, and year one was going to be about can the young guys play, mm -hmm. and if they play well, raising their trade value. So then, come this year now, okay, you you let these guys play out half the year, right? Or you make a trade going into the year, right? You package, because we were always saying, like, you got to package some of this depth and get another impact player. It doesn't necessarily have to be a star. It, it would be good if it's a star. But we need another impact offensive player. A decision maker. Like yeah. We need somebody who can create their own shot and get other guys involved. Yeah, if we did have a little bit of uh, salary cap space, thank you, Serge Ibaka. Um, I think Tyreek Evans would be a perfect sort of but, guy, like a guy who can create his own offense, three point shooter, can run the ISO as well. Not a very competent defender, but that's not what we need. We need a guy that can come off the bench, in my opinion, like the Eric Gordon, Houston Rockets type of situation, and lead the second unit offensively, yeah. similar to Fred Van Vliet, because we're gonna lose him in the off season as well, realistically. You know, mm -hmm. with Fred Van Vliet, I think like, you know, his his greatness came from his ability to fit into what the Raptors were doing. And I don't know if he's going to be that much of a fit in another system. Mm -hmm. And I think he might get exposed in another system. I thought that, you know, the one thing that the, you know, not the one thing, but one of the things that Dwayne Casey, you know, did well during his tenure was he was able to incorporate, you know, the new guys, the guys coming from the D-League into uh, the Raptors system and, you know, and 
those guys were successful. So, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. Well, for their justification to bring in Jerry Stackhouse as the head coach, right? Because he knows these guys already. He knows what he can get out of them. Um, Exactly. All right, guys. uh, We're not going to play any music today because I'm feeling a little bit lazy as a producer. But we're going to go right into the second quarter talking the Eastern Conference playoffs. So, obviously, Game 7 went down two nights ago. Um, Cleveland Cavaliers somehow managed to secure the win. Game 7, obviously, being the Boston Celtics. Beyond LeBron, what went right for the Cavaliers in their seven-game series against the Celtics? Tristan Thompson. Tristan and Thompson provided a little bit of energy. It's um, kind of like a forced take, though, to a certain degree. Does it kind of feel like a forced take? Like you're trying to like scrape together like a little bit of positive in a very shitty situation? Because it's literally been LeBron James against the world in the playoffs so far, right? We'll talk about how great his performance is comparatively to his past a little bit later in the podcast. Gr- Green. But like, Jeff Green. Jeff yeah. Green had a great game seven, but beyond from that, he was, again, a cadaver on the court. It's just tough. Like, everyone was talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers making these massive, splashy trades at the deadline, getting rid of a lot of old, you know... Uh, none talent. of those new guys did anything. They didn't do dick all, man. Well, you were right. George I remember we were, ta- we were talking about the trade deadline, and, you know, Graft and I were a little bit uh, over the top about the upside of, you know, bringing in guys like Rodney Hood, you know, Jordan Clarkson, uh-huh. Larry Nance, etc., and you were a little bit more uh, were, rational. They're in the unproven. Let's say, yeah. Well, just that they're unproven and like that they were. Um, Half of them never a... went to the playoffs yet. Well, yeah. the most disappointing guy was Rodney Hood, in my opinion. Oh yeah, man, Rodney Hood. Because like you know, Jordan Clarkson's like a, a very streaky heat yeah, check yeah, yeah. Guy, six guy off the bench. But like, at not least a, Clarkson not can a point guard, not a shooting position. guard. At least you know, Clarkson can play defense. Like Larry Nance is a six foot eight center. Like, you know, he can play in certain situations. You know, he's a high energy guy as well. Nance and gave him George some Hill. You know, like he had a glimmer, like a few good games. But you know who he is, off-ball defender, decent, competent, open three-shooter. But, like, Rodney Hood was a guy, man. Rodney Hood was the reason why they traded their first-rounder next year, Cleveland's first-rounder next year. And he did next to nothing. That he literally did nothing. going to be out nothing. of the NBA in two years. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact his that his attitude is going to get him exactly out. his attitude, his whole like the whole fiasco with him not wanting to come into the game. Yeah, you can't do that. Ago, you're in the so. NBA. You're getting paid millions of dollars, and then you're going to reject your job. I would have said, okay, there goes your paycheck. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you could, but they were probably better off keeping Jay Crowder in that situation. Right? Yeah, I, w- I was thinking that actually. The well, other the day. thing is with that situation was there was a little bit of an issue with him and Kevin Love, right? So. Who do you want more, Jay Crowder or Kevin Love? That's the thing. We didn't even mention Kevin Love. Kevin Love didn't even play for those two games, I man. Know, right? Well, that's the great crazy. thing about the NBA because you look at the NFL, concussion protocol. When a guy in the, sorry, when a guy in the NFL gets a concussion, they're essentially rushed out to a tent on the sideline. I don't know what's going down that tent, but they're literally sitting there for two to three minutes, and then bam, they're back in the game. <laughs> I saw Russell Wilson take like oh brutal God. head damage in one of his games, went to the tent, and like, apparently he's fine for sitting two minutes in a fucking tent, which <laughs> yeah. makes absolutely no sense to me. So like, the NFL well, doesn't be, care about well, his players. Well, that's why I like, the you NBA seen situation, that Will Smith right? movie. Well, that's why I love the NBA situation though, because like Kevin Love, like he has said that he can play, hey. he feels fine. Like, like, he feels fine and he's competent enough to play right now, but based on NBA concussion protocol, they're not going to allow him to play, which I think is an awesome sign. Like, they weren't even going to let him on the airplane. Exactly, man. Well, it, I like, how many, how like, many leagues this. actively give a fuck about their players? No, but you know, you know what, what was interesting? They, um, uh, Jeff Van Gundy and uh, who I, I Mark love, Jackson? Mark Jackson and Van Gundy, it's the best commentating team. They should be the co-coaches of the practice. I love Van Gundy. Oh, hey, well, not not were, so much Mark Jackson. Yeah, but, but, but they were they were commenting on, like, because they showed Kevin Love backstage talking to, like, the media reps. And Van Gundy's just like, oh, he's, he looks he looks great. Looks fine. <laughs> looks just f- like he was trying to say, like, he should be playing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, Without saying it. Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? I mean, they they sure needed him. I mean, maybe not, actually. Ke- Kevin Love has become just one of the it, others. It all worked team. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, he just kind of, just a little, little more minutes, a couple more minutes for... For, for Green, they're better defensively because of it. Mm-hmm. And I think the Cavs are, you know, the fact that Kevin Love sat out those last two games gave Jeff Green a chance to, you know, maybe get some momentum. Yeah. Get, get some, get some, uh, you and know, Thompson, some going Tristan, in. Tristan Thompson can't be overlooked, Brandon. I know his, because you with LeBron, you need someone with that, like his toughness in that series to go at Morris, right? Providing that raw, like raw. This. Tristan Thompson is LeBron James Robin. Yeah. If LeBron James is Batman. Tristan Thompson is Robin. Alfred. You'll, you'll... Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alfred is Kevin Love. <laughs> no, no. I, I, 
I, you're right. Like Tristan Thompson, obviously, w- was they don't win that re- series without Thompson. We'll say Tristan. Oh, no. We'll say Tristan Thompson's relevant in they that series. They don't beat the Raptors Tristan without Thompson. Ta- Tristan Thompson's relevance is based on the fact that they just needed a moderately skilled big man. Jesus Christ, Timothy Mozgov no, no, would no. come this game. And, and at least do something. The no. thing that pisses me off about Tristan Thompson is about his on-court play. It's the way he carries himself off the court. Who he cares? has this like massive grin on his p- f- fucking face, and he walks around with this like swagger and confidence that he's like some sort of fucking all-star in the NBA. The guy is barely a rotation player at this but, point of his career, in my no, opinion. No, Earning nineteen no, million dollars no, no, no. a he's season. Impl- he earned every cent of Stop, that nineteen Devon, million. Stop doing that Homer shit with the Mississauga love for a for a can of basketball you know, player. He, he's from Brampton. He, potato he's potato. potato. He's important for the Cavs because you need someone that brings what he brings that and uh, he was key for them in the in these playoffs. Listen, you he need, was key. You need guys who are going to give you different intangibles. What does Tristan Thompson give you? He gives you defense on the interior presence and he can and switch grab, on he can switch he grabs offensive rebounds he grabs defensive rebounds his coverage Screens. era when it comes to grabbing rebounds is so much more than the average guy like he grabs rebounds that he shouldn't be grabbing mm-hmm. and he did that on numerous occasions throughout the series mm-hmm. you know i don't want to say he was the x factor because that's probably lebron james in every category but when lebron yeah. james needed help when the Cavs needed extra rebounds extra effort or an easy basket i'm not saying he gave it to them all the time but he gave it to them enough where you know they're moving on. He, when JR definitely played a, uh, when no, when JR Smith hit a three pointer in Boston, I knew the Cavs were gonna win. Yeah, yeah. like right when JR Smith is dropping threes, the Cavs are a much more dangerous team. I yeah. just feel like he's one of those guys that's on like JR Smith, who's just like on LeBron James nuts and just did it as an opportunity to secure a long term contract. Yo, Tristan Thompson's making seventeen point five million dollars next season. Doesn't he share an agent with LeBron? Isn't he part of yeah. Clutch? Yeah, and JR Smith's making fourteen point seven million dollars, fifteen point six in twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. But all I have to say is both these guys have been to the NBA Finals four straight years. Yeah, so. I- like, they've definitely earned their Javon, money. Javon, I could be in the NBA Finals three straight years if I was playing alongside LeBron James. All right, well, there you go. That's the towel boy. And that's how you get That's how you get that $14 million. Dude, I would be the greatest towel boy. Actually, I'd be the worst towel boy of all time. <laughs> it's not what you play with. It's who you play with. I don't know if that works, but we'll just roll with it. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving to, uh, I don't know. Like, do, you, do you honestly think this is LeBron's greatest performance in his career? This series? I'll let, I'll, playoffs, I got, I I got my own thoughts on this. Well, let's hear your thoughts, man. Oh, I'm waiting. Are oh, you waiting on me? Yeah, um, you're getting ready. You had a nice inhale. Like, when I look at, you know, LeBron's entire body of work over his 15-year career, and I look at, like, you know, his teammates or his the teams that he's been a part of in those numerous years, and I look at this team, I was, you know, obviously I'm a diehard Raptors fan, but, you know, I try and take a step outside my bubble and approach you know, LeBron and the Cavs, you objectively. know, with, objectively without any bias. And, you know, I could objectively say this year, you know, Cleveland was not going to beat the Raptors. There was no possible way. I said they could. And then just to see LeBron James performance, like his buzzer beaters, like, like he's such a refined athlete. Like he, he, like he, the amount of, the level of expertise he has in his craft is so mind The way he can pace himself throughout the, the season, the early rounds in the playoffs as well. Do you know he played every single game in the season and him winning game seven was his 100th game? 100, 100 games straight, yeah. 100th straight game of the year. And how At, many minutes? How many minutes did he play? I think it was uh, Full, four, 48, 48 minutes. 48 minutes 12 or minutes something like quarter. that in Boston Garden. Sorry. So so when I, when I look at that performance and I look at like the roster that he's had, it's not to say that these guys are bad, but these guys are not consistent. Mm-hmm. And he's found a way to get the right matchup of guys who are going to bring it for that specific game to get the job done. It always, hasn't always been Tristan Thompson. It hasn't always been J.R. Smith. It hasn't always been Kyle Korver. It hasn't always been Jeff Green. Yeah. But he needed two of those guys, and when he found the guy who was on, that guy produced and performed, and LeBron James let them know that, hey, we need you this game. He's like a mercenary kind of, right? He, find, he finds the pieces that are working, and he maximizes those pieces' abilities, and that alone... It's just amazing. Take, take this in for a second. So NBA career playoff leaders and record for minutes played. LeBron James is obviously number one. He's 500 minutes behind the second place guy, Tim Duncan. So I mean, ahead. Or sorry, ahead, my bad. Yeah, ahead. Ahead of Tim Duncan. And he's only 33. And he's, and he's 33. And, you know, me personally, I think he should take a sabbatical next year and just come back like fresh as ever two years down the road. But when he uh-huh. does that and he plays another five or six years, 
Like he's gonna be headed. No, no sabbatical fun. because what's gonna happen next year is he's gonna sit out the entire season and then like I don't know, with like twelve games left in the regular season, he's gonna say, "I've decided to sign the Golden State Warriors for a stretch run in the playoffs." Uh, 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 uh. Even if he did, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be mad at him. I'm like, listen. Oh, I would. You, you've given us fifteen years of greatness. Do what you got to do, brother. With the war, no, I would. I would actually stop watching basketball. I think he's legacy chasing right now. Like I don't think he. But that wouldn't not. do anything for his. I don't legacy. think he's no. That's what I'm chasing. saying, right? Like why? Why would? Why would going to like a group of superstars, winning another championship, improve his legacy? Like winning a championship this year brings in. Like I think it's debatable so, to say yeah. he's the best of all time. So I don't I think it's clear cut decision to say LeBron James is the best of all time, even if he wins a championship you can't this say year. That yet. But I think yeah. the discussion exists if he does win the championship. I, yeah. I okay, so I do think. Oh this no! Is... If LeBron James wins the championship this year, he's the greatest of all time. End of discussion. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Sorry. that I'm on that done. same. It's done. I'm it's on that done. same like. Golden State is way better. Golden State is probably, if not the best friend, like it's okay. David versus Goliath. Okay, so Chicago, the, the Chicago Bulls teams over that eight-year stretch when they won six chips, that was a pretty decent team. We could we could decent. pretty much say that they were the best dynasty. Exactly. Yeah, so, so was the Miami okay, Heat so, with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Okay, right? so let, let's let's look at can nah, we look at dynasties? They're, they're not at that level. Can we look at dynasties? The best dynasty in basketball of all time is probably no Boston Celtics in sixties. I'm talking about like a modern, strat- like okay. Like, and modern they were, and, they, and they won how much like, like nine nine straight right or something like that okay and then second would be uh chicago right now yeah and then, and then you got the lakers uh the 2000s with, with jack and kobe exactly and then you got um and then you got the spurs golden state would you say golden state's in a dynasty right now if they win this year they're they have you have to win like multiple years in a row to be considered a dynasty right like you okay. have to win like three but like two of them have to be back to back i think that's like what the spurs I remember when everybody was talking, okay, are, are the Spurs a dynasty or not? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think of a dynasty as a team that, like, develops their own town over time. They keep the roster intact, and they just dominate a five to ten And they have, window. like, a few three key guys who are And they're there the whole time. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think if they win this year, you can you can start to consider them that. But, uh, look, I I'm would— So I'm they're not a dynasty guys. right now? You wouldn't say they're the, a dynasty? The, the, if the Warriors— like if they lose this year, like it depends what your like definition of dynasty is. Like to me, yeah, they kind, of, yeah, they are all already. But technically, I think they have to win this year to, to be that. Because when then I think they of, won three out of the last four. Well, when I think of dynasty, I think of the organization above the players. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but you got to win championships to be mm-hmm. dynasty. But you like also Carl have like Malone a and John Stockton were not a dynasty. Well, I'm thinking like no, the New England no. Patriots within that sort of like, you know, yeah, multiple championships the- within a certain year window with the same group of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, if I could, I'm 100% with you guys. To me, this is the best I've ever seen LeBron. This whole season, I've watched so, almost all of his games. I've been obsessed with watching him because, to me, this is like, as a basketball fan, this is the best basketball player I've ever seen in my adult life. I was yeah. young when Jordan was doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. So, to me, like, what I'm seeing now, like, I, like LeBron has reached his peak. Like, like his athletic versus, in, in, in this what you're talking about, it's not just his his athleticism. It's how he uses it. It's that he always makes the right decisions. And his efficiency is just mind-boggling. Like, every step is calculated. Every jump is calculated. Every run to the basket is calculated. Every possession where you see LeBron James not exerting 100% on defense is calculated. Oh, yeah. No, and every no... possession where he is giving 100% is calculated. I haven't seen an athlete with a better, like, uh, understanding of his own body. Yeah. Like, like he, in, in that sense, like, he's a sensory uh, genius. Like, yeah. you know, have you heard him, like, recount the plays that happen? Yeah. He knows right? everything. Yeah, like, right? Like, like his ability to read the game. Like, he, the thing with, with LeBron is... He studied the game. He wants to be great. When the general a general layman comes up to me and, and asks me about LeBron James and his skill set, the best way I can describe him, because everyone kind of pulls out the cliche of him being, you know, this physical beast that no matter what sport he plays, he'd be the best at that sport based on the you know the athletic edge he has over everyone else. Yeah, best playmaker in the NBA. Yeah. You know, yeah, a guy that's constantly working on his game and evolving every single season. And his passes are pinpoint, no matter the angle. Um, and he seems to always make the right pass at the right time. I think he's, well, ninety percent of the time. I think people like to make comparisons with him and Jordan, and I think that they're somewhat misplaced. To me, he's Magic and Bird, man. He's a mix between Magic and Bird. Mm-hmm. Like just like in in the simplicity of how he plays. Like I see Larry Bird, but then in his like 
jaw-dropping assists and stuff like that. He transcends I, the nature of the game, right? But Jordan his kind athleticism of, would be comparable to Jordan. Well, Jordan, Jordan was a Magic two, was right? A like Jordan was a two, shooting guard. Jordan wasn't a point guard necessarily. Jordan was a standard shooting guard. Yeah, LeBron James, smaller. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird are guys like I just mentioned yeah, that transcended yeah. the game where even it's like positionless basketball in an era when there wasn't positionless basketball, yeah. right? Certain guys come out and can dominate the league where it goes against sort of the conventional formation of what the what the NBA is or basketball is for them. Yeah, like LeBron could take 20, like 15 shots in a game, and it'll be 10 for 15, and he'll have a bunch of assists and a bunch of rebounds, and he'll have dominated the game with only taking 15 shots. Whereas Jordan, and again, I still think Jordan's the GOAT, Okay, but Jordan was a scorer first and a one-on-one defender first. LeBron is good at that other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he takes pride in mastering that other stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, I agree with you. If he wins this year, he's you got you got you at least have to say this is on par. This is a real debate. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. I, I don't like, think there's uh He's I, beating dynasties. He's not beating yeah, but average you're, one-offs. Yeah, but you're also Just, overlooking not, the nine defensive players. First team player of the year awards that LeBron or Michael Jordan gathered throughout his career. No, I'm not over, and that's why I'm saying, like, it, in this debate right now, even if LeBron catches him on championships, you can still go to the fact that Jordan was simply a better scorer, okay, and he was a better defender in terms of like one on one or or points per game. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, but. Michael Jordan was allowed to be a better defender because he had guys like Scottie Pippen yeah, who could do, do other things. He had guys like Steve Kerr. Who, LeBron James has no, but he has but to do what's everything. The, yeah, but what's the biggest premium, like like, like in basketball? The yeah. biggest premium is your ability to put the ball in the net. Exactly. Right? Like, you can get guys to rebound and even, like, and pass, although it's extremely important. But the premium is on can you stop the best player on that team from scoring and can you score? And those are the things that Jordan was just masterful at. But you can't say that LeBron James is not great at stopping the other team from putting the ball in the basket. No, you LeBron James has that assignment, that guy is not scoring. But he doesn't always take the number one assignment on, like, like he won't guard. He has to do do other stuff. It's not not because he can't. It's and just a strategic yeah. thing, right? This is what I like what, what Scottie Pippen says about this stuff. And he says what, what you're saying. It's like it's almost unfair because Jordan wasn't asked to do those things. Exactly. And LeBron is asked to do other stuff and yeah. not asked to be the type of scorer that, that Jordan was. I think it's exactly. 1A, 1B if, Le- if LeBron was a champion this year. I think LeBron's the most skilled player of all time. I think Michael Jordan is the greatest competitor of all time. You say and the most talented. I'm just skill is like I think talented, talented, talented player, sure. Skilled, talented player of all time, and Michael Jordan yeah. is the greatest competitor. But you're right. If, ever they, this is, if he wins this, man, this is that would be the most epic, like David versus Goliath. One like that. I'm really hoping he could do something amazing. I doubt he can, but I'm hoping. I'm, all just, right, guys, I'm just afraid to label it. I can't label it. Sorry. All right, moving down to the last topic of the second quarter: Eastern Conference playoffs. Obviously, the Boston Celtics are out, so let's do a little bit of an exit interview, evaluating their upcoming season. Uh, what do you expect from next year? Obviously, we're talking about the inclusion of Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving. You're also talking about restructuring the minutes. You know, obviously, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Al Horford carry them to, uh, I guess, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals. How does Brad Stevens stagger those minutes and kind of nourish, I wouldn't say those egos, but give everyone an equal piece of the pie, basically? That's going to be a, a good challenge to have. A good yeah, it's a good to problem have. to have. So my starting five plus my sixth man would probably be uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the tricky one. This is the tricky one. Do we go Al Horford or do we go? Uh, I think we go Jalen Brown and Al Horford. Jay- and then Jalen Brown and, well, and named, Jason Tatum could be. You just uh, named five people. Exactly. So I didn't know if I wanted to. Include, do you think uh, Jalen Brown can play power forward? There? No, I don't. I think, think in the small can play power NBA, forward, man. I think I think he can. Well, they still have Marcus Morris next year at five point three million. Exactly. So, you know, I think maybe you start him and start it and see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, Do you start Do you start um, Gordon Hayward coming off a catastrophic injury? Like yeah, this? you you have to. Really? Yeah, Why? don't have to. Why? Because it's Gordon Hayward. You brought him in for the reason. I mean, look at uh, look what happened with David Lee on uh, the Warriors, right? Remember how they stuck with him, mm-hmm. and then like Draymond was like the younger player coming up, and and they didn't really go to him that year. Then Jackson gets fired. Kerr brings well, up. Well, they do have a few guys like they have Gershon Ibusele, or maybe Semyo Ojale might turn a corner next year. Like these are rotation guys. Realistically, no, I think there'll be a trade. I think the Celtics aren't even going to have all those guys together. They can, they're not going to they're not going to trade Jason Tatum and they're not going to trade Jalen Brown. I mean, it'd be very foolish for them to even think about considering even trading which, either one of which, those guys. Which, do you trade Kyrie Irving? What, what do you? I would trade. I would. I would, I would consider trading Kyrie Irving over 
Brown and especially Would you Jason consider Tatum. trading Kyrie Irving for a first round draft pick at next year's draft? No. No, Leonard, man. They got to trade him and another piece. Yeah, but Leonard's redundant with Leonard. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as well. Like It's, it's like true. the Duke situation with Zion Williams and Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett. They all play the same position. The biggest issue for the Boston Celtics next season is do they decide ultimately to bring back Marcus Smart, who's an unrestricted free agent? Because Terry Rozier was a revelation in the playoffs. It's clearly scary Terry can be the backup to Kyrie Irving if on a starter in the NBA right now. If we're talking about a trade ship, you know, Terry Rozier is obviously the number one name that comes to mind when it comes to bringing in another superstar or power er forward. Marcus Smart earned my respect Absolutely, absolutely. Boston is in such a beautiful position. How much money does he make next year? Like, what kind of contract does Marcus Smart get next year? Tired of that damn leprechaun. Marcus Smart? He get easily easily 10 to 12 million a year? Yeah, yeah. Easily. I would love it on the Raptors. Love it. He'll lock up LeBron James. You see what he was doing against him last year? Yo, oh, I, I, I love the no fearlessness. Fear. Yeah. Fearlessness, yeah, man. Like, we needed a few more of those types of players, man. Yeah. We should trade Jakob Pertl for Terry Rozier. To replace I, uh, Fred I don't think I don't think Boston wants any any part in making us a better team. Well, Baines is a free agent this year. They'll let Baines walk. Monroe's a free agent as well. They don't have a center unless you say Al Horford and who else? Nobody. Al Horford. Al Horford is... Jakob Pertl seems like a Boston kind of guy, too. He seemed like he'd fit in that system. White. White. He has blonde he's hair. White. <laughs> man, I never, I never said that. Nah, man. Well, you look at the history of 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 Boston and Larry Bird, right? The great white hope, the last white hope. But no, nah, it's not even that. It's just like you know that scrappy nature, like that that yeah, know, yeah. underdog mentality, yeah. and like yeah, Yaka Boston Perlo has that. that. Yeah, they just can't trade Tatum. That guy in my no, he's the future. So Bill I Simmons, would trade him for what, Leonard. Twenty years old. I wouldn't. Yo, you get Leonard, you can win now. I would. Tatum, with Tatum, that team is still, like, as of next year, are they ready to win a championship? So, you think? five years down the road, what has Boston accomplished? I wouldn't trade Tatum. No. Not for Kawhi Leonard. No. <laughs> Foolish! That's your hate for Boston. How That's your biasm coming out right now. All right, guys, rolling down to the third prime. quarter. Um, obviously, the game went down last night. Western Conference playoffs. Golden State Warriors secured the victory in Game 7 after a very scary first half. Uh, Houston obviously missed 27 straight free throws, which is well, a new incredible. NBA playoff record. Um, Three-pointers. Yeah, three-pointers. Did I say three-pointers? Did you say three-pointers Can I or please, Brandon? I'm pretty sure I said three-pointers. Anyways, let me finish please. my beautiful okay. little uh, Sorry, sequence. I, so I, I, the Western that Conference. just got me riled up. Um, oh. So... Obviously, we have Cleveland coming into the NBA Finals, but obviously Golden State has a little bit of chink in their armor. Do you think Cleveland can sort of exploit what Houston is able to do against the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals, or is it going to be a clean sweep? But I don't think Golden State's not a perfect team. No, but I don't think Houston did anything. I think Golden State just didn't play well. Like, like, did you hear Kerr's interview? Like, we're playing the worst we've played. Mm -hmm. All year. All year. Like, like Houston was outworking the Warriors, sure. But any team that really want, like, it looked like Houston just wanted to win more. I think I think and, depth factored in quite a bit this series, especially Houston's. Yeah. No, but they didn't really use that that many subs, Houston. Yeah, but the guys that Houston brings off the bench, the Gerald Greens or even the Nene or the Eric Gordons of the world, who the fuck does Golden State have? They didn't bring Nene. Nick Young? Yeah, yeah no. no like they, Nick, Young's, you, you have Nick Young was playing no, like 50 minutes a game with the absence of Andre Iguodala. I really don't think it was the subs, Brandon. I get what you're saying. I think it was that. You have to have them on the court, though. They have no, to be in the court. Any, but like, I think both teams used equal subs. I think because both teams had a short bench. I think one team just really looked like they knew that they were less talented and that they needed to be scrappy. And I think Chris Paul brought that mentality into them, yeah. right? And P.J. Tucker, right? Like yeah. They were getting every loose ball. Well, I'm pretty sure Maury was quoted as saying that he constructed this roster specifically to beat the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series. But can I now, on this <laughs> on this note, his mathematical formulation of how basketball should be played ended up losing his team that game, ironically, because they missed 20, how many straight threes? Did you guys see what the odds were for 27, for, you're right. You, you, foolishness. You can't construct a roster where you, you solely depend on that sort of, I wouldn't say luck, but like the rhythm of that every that, single no game. I don't think they're going to get those won. games No team has while, ever right? won shooting only three-pointers. The, the closest thing to it are these Warriors, but the Warriors, don't. they shoot more mid-range shots than anyone. They, yeah. And they have the two best shooters in the world, the three best shooters in the world. 
sometimes when I feel like we're doing this podcast, because I don't know if our listeners know this, but I'm behind like a pane of glass right now and I'm looking at both of them and having this conversation. I think you two view me as the authoritative figure in this conversation where everything I'm like the I'm like the the, the judge in the natural, for example. No, you're just a double like, shut your mouth, Brandon. You're the <laughs> wizard behind the curtain there, man. Yeah, no, like, but, I but feel th- like I'm the teacher in class and like everyone's like, fuck. But but okay, do you, do you get what I'm saying? It's like they, it seemed like they were forcing up threes, but it wasn't falling, right? And uh, James Harden, like it's not going down, man. Take it to the basket or like pull up and hit. At one point, he did it, and it was like hallelujah, like uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, There's yeah, the big yeah. opening like in the I middle. About that because the Warriors are totally overplaying them on the uh, perimeter and to the basket. Well, yeah. there's a big area in the middle of the damn court, but your your ideology. Your ideology is preventing you from what's practical and functional. Are you nuts? This is about winning, man. Like, you got to do what you got to do to win. Mm -hmm. And for Houston, they never had to make any adjustments all year in terms of their ideology. It was either a three or it was at the basket. And they had the guys to do it. They had Chris Paul, who was getting to the basket or hitting the three. And And, they had James Harden. And when one guy wasn't doing it, they would defer to the next guy. And then when Chris Paul goes down, what happens? They have no one to defer to. And then, you know... Golden State's allowed to play their shittiest first quarter of the season. Golden State's allowed to have a shitty first half. Golden State's allowed to be down in the second half. Yo, Golden State Houston, didn't look good. Do you think the inclusion look good? Do you think the inclusion of Chris Paul in Game Seven could potentially change? Definitely. What the, uh, what Definitely. Maybe yeah. Like it, it's always hard to say, but I think like it was close enough that. Does Chris Paul what was, move the needle what was the 10 re- points? What was the reason Chris Paul won Game Three? Uh, what was the reason Houston won Game Three and Chris Game Four? Paul, man, it was Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. And it, but it wasn't his 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 draining of the three or his. Uh, I mean, there was a couple shots that he hit that were. But to me, it was his 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 uh, competitive spirit, his willingness to mix it up. Yeah. Hit and shimmy all over. Good for him for shimmying on Steph. I love I love his body language on the bench and as well during Game bench, Seven. Like he was just calling out the guys. He was trying to get everyone riled up. He's yep, trying to yep. like you know he was a very hey, big sort of. Uh, is isn't he the opposite though? Of John, when I say I don't like how John Wall sits mm. on the bench with his sunglasses and doesn't give a fuck, and he has his iPod. Chris Paul knew in. he wasn't playing and still dressed. And he dressed, yeah. He the guy dresses and he's like motivating his teammates. He's helping the coaches. That is a teammate. You know, that what, is I a team you know what I can't stand? First like guy, John Wall. Listen, I know you have to make money outside the court. The one thing I can't stand when it comes to self branding are these assholes. Oh, these assholes. These basketball players <laughs> <laughs> walking into the arena with these like Beats headphones, and there's probably no music being piped in it's just you wearing a fucking <laughs> headphone with a, like a three-piece like louis vuitton suit so yeah it's a, yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a culture thing though it's not it's not even a money-making thing they're not getting paid by beats i think they just get free beats headphones Beach just says here's a free headphone just you know i'm enjoy. an earbud guy man i'm a sony like 18 dollars from shopper's jugmart earbud guy man yeah hijack the conversation for a second headphones is when i'm it's so so I guess we'll uh wait but Brandon you're sorry to your question because you asked us can what can Cleveland do like like can they do what Houston was doing I think the the writing on the wall is if you muck it up a bit against the Warriors if right if you if you can 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 go at Steph Curry and expose him right which they were doing Steph Curry didn't do, okay uh and Durant to me he looked shook like, something's off with that team. They don't, like, this is not the same team as last year. The only problem is Cleveland is worse than they were last year. Yeah. So, it's possible, actually, like, when I'm seeing Golden State, if they play at the same level that they played during the Rockets series, Houston, uh, uh, I, I think Cleveland has a shot. Not a great shot, but anything can happen in sports, man. I'm not one of those guys that, that likes to say, you know, you win the game on paper. No. No, you win it out on the field or on the court you or wherever you're the competing. Games. How many times have we doubted LeBron in the past, man? Yes. Especially his playoffs. I'm not doubting him again. Um, it's interesting, though, the Golden State Warriors offense, you know, especially with Durant being part of the, you know, the starting rotation because, you know, when Durant goes off and he runs his heavy ISO, you know, like, I guess like 18 footed jumpers, you know, when he's kind of running the offense, it yeah, seems like they, they run it through him. Yeah. But it also seems like Claymon Curry, like those three guys are kind of like, you know, you not Claymon Curry. <laughs> that that's, what, that's what I call the three of them. Claymon. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So when Claymon, like, it doesn't really seem like Claymon Curry are really part of the offense, but when no. those three are going, they seem like they're in sync with each other. And Durant's a guy yes. that's not really. So no, when, and I think that's no, I think that's what's happened though, Brandon. I think what I'm picking up on and what you're seeing there too there might be trouble in paradise. Mm-hmm. And I could see it from the body language, like like they were yelling at each other there's, a bit. There's cracks in the armor for sure. Do you yeah. know what I really like, like they last get night exposed. Though, like play-wise? I love when on the baseline, Jordan Bell would get the ball, fake the shot, 
back handoff to Steph Curry for the and three. And set did an illegal screen? And set an illegal screen? The first one was an illegal screen. The Listen, second was... If he pushed off on LeBron James like that, it's an offensive foul, 100%. Still, I thought it was a nice design play. Oh, no, Haters going to hate. It definitely was, but there was an offensive foul there. All right, exit interview for the Houston Rockets. Let's look at their uh, season next year. What do you expect from the team? Do you think they're going to be able to bring back Chris Paul? I think Chris Paul and LeBron James do something. Yep. I was gonna, I I think the writing uh, I'm not to use the same expression again. The writing's on the wall for like I, I don't see LeBron losing this series and being okay going back to Cleveland and trying to do it all over again. I think like take, I think he goes to Houston or or Chris Paul goes to Cleveland. Cleveland. I think Chris Paul goes to Cleveland. Now that I think about it, that's like the best situation for him. It's actually they're not gonna, a bad they're, idea. They're gonna go on an amazing cruise next summer or during Damn the summer. It. I didn't and they're going to talk about it. They're going to be like, yeah, come to Cleveland, Chris. Come through. You know, I, I, I need some help. Because Chris probably doesn't like James Harden, man. Like, the thing is, like, he he's he fit into that system. I don't see why he couldn't fit into the Cleveland system. They, oh, need, they need anybody. I think he's a better fit, actually, playing uh, in, in Cleveland. But the issue is if he would want to or if he'd rather stay in Houston because he knows that he's got something with Cleveland, you know— you have uh, a remember well, who, what is that guy no. say? You got a cakewalk to the finals in, in the That's East. That's no, you're right. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. they've got about forty-five million dollars in cap space next season. Unfortunately, there's a couple marquee players beyond Chris Paul that need to be re-signed. Specifically, guys like Trevor Ariza, Luke Mabuamute, and most importantly, Clint Capella. So I, I they see, don't need Luke. Uh, yeah, they're gonna let Mabuamute uh, and Ariza go, and they're gonna bring it. Uh, they're gonna re-sign Capella, and they're gonna try to get James. I think that this Houston team is going to be geared up to beat the Warriors. Or, like you say, it's possible that maybe Paul goes to Cleveland. I mm-hmm. hope to God that's not the case because I'm tired of losing. What about mother- Kawhi? You think Kawhi can go to Houston? Uh, it, it's harder for them because they'd have, they'd have to do the trade. Oh, right? They'd have trade? to give something up, right? As okay. opposed to like a free agent coming there. Like LeBron would be a free agent. Yeah, I think yeah, Philadelphia yeah. should be in discussion for Kawhi Leonard. Like he went to New York specifically to work with the 76ers athletic trainer. Really? Yeah. That, and who, but they would have to give up um, quite a bit, right? They'd probably have to give up Fultz and Sarich. Yeah, that's fine. A Fultz, Sarich, and maybe a... But that would be a rebuild in, in San Antonio. They, they don't have no rebuild. They don't need rebuild. They, they, they don't speak that language. Or, I mean, they might, but then, you know... I think Fultz and Sarich are, I specifically Sarich are guys that can move the needle next year. I think he's the kind nope. of guy that if he's in the right situation, like in the I West, saw him in the playoffs. Come on, man. I'm not saying they're going to be a championship caliber team. But that's I'm just saying but that the Spurs, look, but, but the Spurs with Aldridge, you have to maximize his his window. <laughs> You're talking about Marcus Aldridge like he's goddamn Bill Russell. He he was second uh, All NBA man. Well, the thing with uh, the Marcus. So was the Rosen. Congratulations, the We didn't even talk about that on the podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe. Congrats Big shout to DeMar DeRozan. Damien Lillard, first, uh, first, all, first team All-NBA. Yeah, I don't know about that. You know, my you, my boy Westbrook needed to be on there. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. His team didn't, you know, you get he's, he's third, third, third in the third. My in man, the, there we nah, go. He's just, a, he's just a better player. But third in the uh, conference for the Blazers, best player on that team, he gets the spot. Second best player on that team. Who's better? Best. Oh, come on, motherfucker. Your boy, eh? CJ! I don't know about that. Um, Streaky. Like, when the pressure's on, CJ's not hitting his shots. Oh, yeah. Of course no, he is. Li- no, Lillard is definitely the, the main guy on that team. Because he to- can rap and he can brand himself outside of the court. That's why Damian Lillard. He's in those, like, fucking insurance commercials as a little baby rapping of Kevin Love. That's why you guys are so asphyxiated with Damian Lillard. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 26 points per game. Fantastic season. All right, guys. Uh, any last points for the Western Conference before we jump into Greg's gripe in the fourth quarter? On the Western Conference? Nope. Gregory is drinking a Red Bull right now. Greg, okay, so sugar so, free, baby. It's so so funny. Like you kind of like subtly crack the can while we're doing the show, hoping that's not gonna pick up on the audio, which it obviously did. And I don't mean this in any shitty way possible, because you are a very intelligent human being, and you're substantially smarter than me. And if our listeners don't know this, Greg is currently in the midst of his PhD program. But you are one of I the am a candidate, pick candidate. But you are one of the more remedial individuals when it comes to technology, because you just don't give a fuck. And I, I love that about you. But I still well, feel like I, I still feel patience. like you use Windows. I don't have a lot of patience. You, have, you still use Windows 95. I'm pretty sure you have a Netscape Navigator cell phone from 1998. Dos. As I well. use DOS. DOS right now. 
You're on IRC chat channels looking for. <laughs> I have a flip Greg, phone. Greg, is this true? I'm learning all of this right now. Greg, Greg goes to the uh, Robarts library and looks up statistical information because he doesn't understand there's a website out there called Basketball Reference. All right, <laughs> <laughs> moving into the fourth quarter, Greg's got a gripe. Got I'm a gonna gripe. say something really, really quickly because I desperately need to get this off my chest because it's really been bothering me for the last little bit. Uh, fuck you, Andrew Wiggins. Just gonna throw that out there. Why? Because he basically made a decision that he's not going to play for the FIBA Canadian team. Corey Joseph has played nine times representing his country. If R.J. Barrett oh. could play, he would be there. I could say what I want about Tristan Thompson, but he shows up and plays for Canada. Oh, yo, he Andrew playing? Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, according to, I can't remember who the release really support, but Andrew Wiggins apparently, let me just look this up really quickly. Andrew Wiggins has decided not to play because he doesn't like Jay Triano. Based on Hoops Hype Report, he does not want to yeah. play for Team Canada because he doesn't apparently get along with Jay Trent. Let me read the quote here. According Fuck to multiple off. sources, one factor in Wayne's decision to decline Canada basketball's most recent invitation from our boy Wayne Parrish um, is his strained relationship with head coach Jay Trano yeah, stemming from his previous and only ex- only experience playing with the senior men's wait, team. Wait, where does, where does Wayne... Sorry, you said... Well, Wayne, Wayne's one of the guys sort of involved with Basketball Canada, dealing with FIBA. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Right okay, now. okay. I just think it's an absolute disgrace for Andrew Wiggins to, That's, A, no, decide not to play for D Canada. The thing that bothers most about it is the ego involved. Who is he to be in a situation to say, I don't want to play for this team because I don't like this coach? What I'd have like, you done? Like, I just, I'd like to get well, Wayne's opinion you know, just, on that, just, actually. Just, just to clarify the situation, uh, I think it was back in Mexico when uh, Argentina had won that tournament for the FIBA Americas. And... Uh, Andrew Wiggins, I think this was like his first pro year, and Jay Triano thought it was a good idea to bench Andrew Wiggins for Aaron Dornicamp, Carlton alum. Let's go, baby. Euro Euro player. Bench uh, bench Andrew Wiggins for Aaron Dornicamp. And, you know, when I seen that, I was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Was he playing? Was he giving us the D, though? Listen, at the end of the day, like it's not it's not like you can try and win games or you can try and build a program. And who are you trying to build a program around? Aaron Dornicamp yeah. or Andrew Wiggins? You don't want to piss. You you let Andrew Wiggins play. Shit the bed. You're 20 you're 19 years old mm-hmm. at the time. Like like you know, sometimes it's not about I the think battle it- at hand, but it's about the long-term longevity of the of the program. And you know, the most important thing is to attract your own national players. I think what's the most important for Andrew Wiggins is rehabbing his image, especially in Canada. You know, the guy has just former first overall pick, a lot of upside, the future face of Canada basketball, and is coming off the heels of arguably the worst season of his career. Would you trade Kyle Lowry and OG Ananobi for Andrew Wiggins? No, I wouldn't even trade. I would even consider trading OG straight up for Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Well, they don't have the money for it anyway. Um, it's not. We're not talking about talent. We're not talking about potential upside. It's, we're talking about just dedication, persistence, and the ability to develop his skill set or wanting to get better. I haven't seen that out of Andrew Wiggins. You're talking about a coach like Tom Thibodeau who gets the best out of his players, demands the most out of his players. And if Tom Thibodeau is not getting it out of Andrew Wiggins, who the fuck is? And him just making this decision further illustrates the fact that again, you, Greg, like you always talk about, you know, playing for yourself, self-preservation, self-branding, and I think this is what Andrew Wiggins is doing yet again. I, I just, I can't stand yeah. this shit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I hijacked your gripe. I just had to throw that out there quickly. Well, I, I think it's much more meaningful, uh, given the nature of this podcast and how we're trying to link it to. Um, you know, local issues and, and, and Canadian basketball, Toronto basketball. Uh, so that's upsetting, Brandon. I'm not going to lie that, that that he's choosing not to play. How does this affect our uh, Olympic bid for the next Olympics? Because I thought by the next Olympics, we were going to have a team, man, mm-hmm. a real team. Right, like we have a, if, all our best players. You put them together, we can rival the states. Also, Jamal Murray be leading the charge. We got Jamal Murray, Tristan Thompson, Corey yeah. Joseph, Kelly Olynyk, Kellen Brooks, Dwight Powell. He's got to be our go-to player on that team. Well, we also have R.J. Barrett coming up. So. I don't think he's eligible to play for the senior team, though. Unfortunately, no, like not right now. But right, right, right. You know, going forward, like there's ample amount Shea of Gilgis Canadian Alexander talent as well. coming up through the door. So it's not a matter of like, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not worried about Andrew Wiggins. It would have been nice to have him for these upcoming yeah. games, but I'm not I'm not worried about it. Like, you know, maybe he has other things to do, and I, I don't blame him for not liking Jay Triano. I, as a matter of fact, don't. You know, I'm not too fond of him either. Ooh, throw some shade towards so, Jay, Javon. Jay. So, I mean, you know, I'm more of a Roy Rana kind of guy. You know, get those chips. Get get that that inaugural Canadian championship. What's the beef? What's the beef, man? Tell me. I just never, you know, 
when he coached the Raptors, I was never a fan of his. And then when, you know, the, uh, the exact same thing I was talking about earlier, the adjustments and the moves he made in the last FIBA tournaments, like, I didn't, I didn't like them. I thought, I thought Canada should have uh, won uh, in the uh, Pan Am games back in 2015. They yeah. lost. They lost. Um, and then, you know, him obviously benching uh, Andrew Wiggins in that tournament in which favor co- of Which uh, caused Aaron this Dornican, now. Yeah. Right? So it's just like there's numerous things, right? And, like, I just feel like uh, Jay Triano's just – He's given he's given the, the given the title as head coach and it's unwarranted. Like I think like it should be like a four year thing. You get the team for four years and we reevaluate it at that point. Mm. But he, it's just an ongoing thing. Like I don't understand this. It might be politics. It could be something else. But I don't think he deserves that mantle, especially at the state of Canadian basketball. Like we need a guy who's like in there, knows the players, has a great rapport with them, is able to you know attract our top talent. Like if he's unable to attract our top talent, like why is he there? Yeah. Right. It's not. You yeah. can't just say Andrew Wiggins, right? He's because deterring people from playing for it, us. <laughs> exactly. Put it like this: If I'm the coach, and I say I don't like that player, that player is not going to play for me. Then nobody really cares. Like, but if a player says it, then everybody's making a big deal about it. So, I think it can't just be a one-way thing. I think it has to be like, okay, so what did Jay Triano do? And we actually have to look at that before we start just throwing all the blame at Andrew Wiggins. So, like, I mean, hey, like, he's obviously, he has his, his, his issues. He has his sour spots, Andrew Wiggins does. But you can't just, you know, say, oh, Andrew Wiggins, you're, you know, you're not, you're no nationalism. You're not playing for your country. Like, he's look, being look, an entitled little brat. That's what he's doing. Let's, 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 <laughs> let's look at Canada basketball and, 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 and start questioning oh, that but before. But didn't Steve Nash not play for us for a lot of the time, too? That's Steve Nash. <laughs> Yeah, but Steve, that, Steve, Nash, Steve, Steve Nash, Nash can do whatever the hell he Steve, wants. Steve Nash has worked his ass off to put himself in a situation to say no to Team Canada. What the fuck I has mean, Andrew Wiggins done? Sorry. I'm not a hater. Like, I like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. I think he's, he could be a fantastic and basketball you know, player. Like, I, if, if he had, like, a sense of national pride, was like, I don't care. It's my country. I don't care. I don't care. But obviously, you know, that's not the case. And... All right. Well, Greg, uh, I, I guess Greg, I took Greg's Greg's Greg turns to Brandon. Brandon's, Brandon's Greg. That's of the fine. Week. I love it. All right, guys. Uh, Brandon's we, beef. Brandon's beef. All right, guys. <laughs> we uh, we're done. Uh, we'll do one more podcast. Uh, not next week. The week after rounding up a season. But stay tuned this summer. Uh, we're going to be hopefully introducing a lot of programming, sort of discussing the sort of. Uh, the, the the belly of Toronto Canada basketball. We're gonna look at people who are going to uh, you know champion the progression, the evolution of hoops up north. Um, you know, guys, who we, who could we potentially be talking to? Who are guys that you know f- for our listeners we would realistically be chatting with? Uh, so potentially we got uh, representatives from North Pole Hoops, uh, a scouting organization based in Canada, and uh, they have a newly uh, a newly devised league, a uh, preparatory league for bas- Canadian basketball. Cool. Uh, pretty much uh, what that whole, the goal of that organization is to just keep our talent in Canada instead of having to send them to prep schools in the States, mm-hmm. which pretty much just further enhances Canada basketball. Um, there's a recent documentary that came out uh, called uh, True North, The Rise of Canadian Basketball. Uh, we could possibly get uh, the... We will. We will get the director of that... that, that uh, that documentary on the show that'd be great absolutely uh, and, I th- and I think with this podcast especially you know we talk about basketball and basketball is our central focus but I think a big thing for Greg and all, I think all of us in general is just the empowerment of sport you yeah. know what sport can do especially for you know younger kids so Greg obviously has been involved with uh, you know youth soccer for quite a while so you know we're going to be talking to people that are within different pockets of the sport community in general yeah. it's not going to be sort yeah. of specific to basketball and, and Brandon not just um, off season you know talk. and not just the power of sport but I think the less talked about power in sport right what you know what I mean what are the power dynamics in sport and how does that operate and who benefits off certain athletes right and who gets opportunities to play and who doesn't so these are all things that 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 we can definitely talk about and uh, i'm going to be bringing in some people from from the university this summer we're going to have them uh, on the podcast i also would like to do some uh, fun um, media podcasts on you know just some things like you know top basketball movies something like that i got a friend ben uh, ben hot knives Gwillem. Maybe we'll do you that know? relatively soon. Talk some blue chips, Hoosiers. He got game in the greatest basketball movie of all time, 
Airbud. All right, guys. Like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, guys. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Again, you can catch us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Again, just another friendly reminder, we won't be back next week, but we'll be back the week after. Have yourself a fantastic rest of your week, and peace out, Toronto. Hey, Toronto, enjoy this beautiful weather. See you at the beach. C'est blessed, fam. Yeah.